Repodcasting is part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia, and joining me today is Jillian McCurcher. Hi, Jillian. Hey. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, happy to. I'm really excited because you picked a fantastic movie to recast, and that is Dune Part 1, the 2021 film. Yes, uh, directed by Denis Villeneuve, and I would say like a long-awaited remake of David Lynch's version, and then of course there was the failed one by Alejandro Jodorowsky. So he never got to make his... And there's also a TV series, which I never watched, a miniseries, but yeah. I didn't see the miniseries either. Okay, so. Okay. But you did read the book, which I think is really cool. Yeah, so the book is written by Frank Herbert. I sometimes say Hubert, but it's Frank Herbert wrote the novels. Uh, So Dune is the first in a series. And it's an amazing book. It's like a space epic where it's really about like politics and subordination. And it also has this very classical sense of heroism and being the chosen one and rising up to be to fit that role right so yeah i call it like a space epic about politics and bad guys good guys okay a lot of fun well that's a really good way to describe it because denis villeneuve actually referred to dune as star wars for adults stating that most of the main ideas from star wars actually came from dune that totally makes sense. You know, princesses, uh, the force, like in Dune, that would, of course, be the kind of psychedelic experience that you have when you take the spice. Right. So you have the spice. It means that you have what's called the sight or, well, not really the sight, but you you have this presence is what they always say in the novel. So it means you can kind of see a little bit into the future, mm-hmm. much like the force in yeah. uh, Star Wars, but also the spice or... Um, melange as it's called in the novel it helps you see a little bit into the future and that allows for intergalactic space travel because traveling at the speed of light is very challenging so if you can kind of see a little bit ahead of time you know you're not going to go into like a planet or something so uh this spice is the most valuable substance in the galaxy in the one in dune only produced on the planet of arakeen or arrakis let me let me double check that. I don't. Oh my gosh, <laughs> if I okay. get that wrong, like, jeez. Oh, Arakeen is the fortress on Arrakis. Okay. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Um, okay. Well, so you know, clearly you're a fan. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to pick it for recasting? So I've had to think about this one. Like, why did I choose this film? And I think. I actually love all of the actors who were cast in Dune. I think they're all wonderful and I'm, I've seen them in a lot of other films or television shows but I feel like the producers and part of this is probably Denis Villeneuve too they're taking on a very risky subject and by subject I mean novel because there's been a lot of I would say like failed attempts at this and it's very unwieldy like it's a very long it's there's a lot of like a lot of characters a lot of like small political things going on which kind of I don't think they translate well to the screen. So I think that they were trying to mitigate risk in any way that they could. Right. So part of that was like dividing it into two parts. So you have Dune Part 1, which we're doing in the forthcoming Dune Part Mm 2. But I think they were also trying to mitigate risk by casting the most acceptable, but in my opinion, bland 
actors for the role. So Timothée Chalamet, or I like to call him Timothée, like his French name. Um, he He's not a bland actor, but him as Paul Atreides is a bland choice, in my opinion. Absolutely. I totally agree. And this is the only thing I've seen him in, actually. Okay. So I just thought he might be a bland actor, but it's good to know he's not. No, so I saw him in Call Me By Your Name. He's amazing. And he, like, really carries that film. So that's, like, where he got all of his fans, too. And then I saw him in Lady Bird, and I also saw him in The King. Oh, I forgot he was in Lady Bird. Yeah. Okay. He's so good at being generous to Saoirse Ronan, but yeah. I feel like in The King, I was very um, hesitant to believe he would be good in that role, but he does have a regalness. So I can see how the producers were like, yeah, he's he can totally take on this character. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but I also thought Zendaya was a bland choice, and I think... That I love Stellan Sarsgaard, but I think he's also a bland choice. Okay. Well, so those are the three roles that we're recasting. Getting into the box office numbers is interesting for this movie because it was released during the pandemic. And as you mentioned, it's such a huge undertaking. It had a $165 million production budget. Um, and it was released in theaters, but it was actually released at the same time, I believe, or very, very shortly after on streaming and that's something that Denis Villeneuve was actually angry about because I think he felt like they were setting him up to fail but it ended up being like the most watched um the most watched film overall in the U.S. on HBO Max for the first three weeks of its release that's incredible yeah it is um and it still made a lot of money cinematically at the box office too so the domestic box office was only 108 million but worldwide was 401.8 million wow Yeah, so it more than made its money back. Yeah. And they're also making a second one, which I believe the second one wasn't greenlit. No. Yeah. What a risk that is. I know, right? (laughs) I think I didn't know that it was only part one when I went in, and I was sitting there, and about two hours in, I'm like, there's no way they're finishing (laughs) this. There's no way. Oh, wow. That's great. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, definitely the sequel was not greenlit when the movie was released, but it was greenlit like a few days after the film opened. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they clearly saw right away that there's a want for this and a need for this. And I kind of want to read the book because the movie, I'd seen the David Lynch one. I'd seen the documentary, Jodorowsky's Dune. Um, It's all interesting. But I don't know. I wonder if, like, it's the story that's not enough for me or, like, I don't connect to it. Or if it was the movie itself. My first impressions coming out of the film were I was dazzled by the special effects and the visual effects and the overall production design I thought was very rich and well well considered. Mm-hmm. But I felt it was a bit soulless. I mm, couldn't really care okay. about the stakes that were going on. Same. And they are very... I, I feel like that's why people love this novel and why it's going to be timeless, I think. It really draws you in emotionally and you understand where the characters are coming from because it's a very... Cere- when I say cerebral, I don't mean that it's like too intellectual. I mean cerebral where a lot of the dialogue or a lot of the stuff is happening in people's minds. Like they're thinking a lot about okay. things. And I think that... uh for example, you know how he has a doctor who double crosses him and like hands him over. Well, right. when I say him, Paul Atreides, like confidant and uh, friend who's also his doctor, pa- like is the mole for the Harkonnens. Right. In the novel, it's very tragic. It's played out. And then when it happens, you really feel this like 
you feel gutted mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, this is terrible. Like I'm so, oh no, now everything's going to fall apart. Right. But I never felt that in the movie. Like I didn't even know who this doctor guy was. And you're like, yeah. oh, I guess he like did this double cross. So okay. what? And I think also the relationship between Paul and his mother and Paul, his father and his father with his mother was also more, it's just richer. Okay. That's good to know because that really was my main complaint is I didn't care enough about any of the characters watching this movie. Mm -hmm. So I'd give the novel a try then. I think too, when you're doing an epic, sometimes we can, we don't need logic to get on board, but I think we need this like real gravitas from the care from the actors as well. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was how they shot it. I don't know, but like I was, that was missing. Like yeah. it was hard to be like, yes, Timothy Chalamet as Paula Trudy is like, I want to be with him for another four hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'm really excited to do the recasting because I do think that some different people in these roles would help that like give it more heart mm-hmm. okay do you want to give well you kind of already talked about the novel but do you want to give a little synopsis totally okay dune part one so in the universe of dune part one <laughs> there is an emperor i think his name's emperor shaddam he uh decides which noble family uh looks after certain planets in the universe and Right now, at the beginning of the film, there's going to be a changeover for Ericus, which is the only planet which produces the spice. Melange, which is the most important uh, resource in the universe because it allows intercontinental tra- or intergalactical tra- uh, travel. Right. It also allows people to have like psychedelic experiences and you also get addicted and get like blue eyes if you have too much of it. So the Harkonnens are going to be passing off this planet to, you could say like a rising star in the noble families, which is the Atreides family. So there's the father, the Duke, his concubine, Lady Jessica, and she's a Ben Jesuit. Like, I don't want to call her a witch, but it's kind of like she's, uh, she has certain qualities that she's trained since birth. And their son is Paul Atreides, who's the heir to the Atreides line. So in short, all of this, the, this handover is really like a ploy by the Harkonnens and by the emperor to destroy the Atreides line. They want to eliminate them because they believe that the Atreides could one day usurp the emperor for power and for love from the universe. So they're going to give them this challenging planet to look after this very valuable planet and then destroy them. Now, the Atreides don't know this, and Paul, who's the youngest, is also kind of being tested by his mother, who's this witch. By tested, he might be the chosen one, or, and I'm forgetting the name right now, so I'm sorry, but like he's basically like some sort of messiah-like character, which the Ben Gesserit group, these women, are trying to, through like eugenics, basically, create... Jesus, okay. except it's, they think it might be Paul Atreides. Right. So the plan, uh, the Atreides family moves to Ericus. They get double crossed. The Harkonnens take over. They want to eliminate the family, but Paul and his mother, Lady Jessica, the concubine escape. And when they escape, they encounter the Fremen, who are the native indigenous people to the planet. Mm-hmm. And the indigenous people of the planet, um, have also 
also have prophesized that a Messiah-like character or Paul, who they think it is, might be the chosen one, and he might be the one to free everybody with the assistance of the sandworms and melange. Okay. Okay, that wow. is, that's Doom Part 1. It's <laughs> a <funny>. lot. <laughs> but you know what? I have to say, right there you explained so much that, to me, did not come across having seen this movie twice. <laughs> twice? Oh my gosh, I've only seen it once. <laughs> I saw it in the theaters, um, and then I watched it again, like, just before recording. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you already, like, helped clear up so much for me. <laughs> yeah, it's... um. It's too dense. Okay, I just looked it up. Muad'Dib. So Muad'Dib is the name of like the Messiah-like character. Anyways, yeah, I just... That's why it's such an unwieldy text is because there's all of this stuff going on. But I feel like Denis Denis Villeneuve was like more interested, at least with this film, with like atmosphere and just getting like the basic things done. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, yeah, some of it, some, some missing information could have helped. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, he's such a good, like, he's so good at atmosphere in everything he does. So I understand. And like, I do think that it's a really impressive movie to look at. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Like, I actually really like the costume design for the Ben Gesserit. Like, okay. when, um, at the beginning, when Pelotrides is, he, the mother superior comes and she tests him. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that Denis Villeneuve's interpretation is like extremely literal, but again, I think that's risk mitigation. They were going to spend so much on this challenging text, yeah. and they just didn't want to take any risk, like because yeah. it's failed so many times already. So many times, and I remember too, like when I say the spice gives you psychedelic experiences. Like I don't think that anybody felt psychedelic when they were oh, watching I didn't this. See that at all? Yeah, yeah, or felt like this hallucination where he can like really see the future, and he's. I think Paul is seeing how much weight there is to being the chosen one and what that's what that could mean. Yeah. You don't really feel that. Not at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not at all. And I'm looking forward to part two having more of the sandworms because I wanted to see more of that. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Okay. Jillian, as you chose this movie, why don't you start with your casting choices? Sure. Okay. So we talked earlier about who we were going to recast and we are, why don't we just go in order? We'll start with Paul Atreides. So Paul Atreides is played by Timothy Chalamet, Timothee Chalamet. <laughs> and when I think of Paul from the novel, I think of a, a youthful character who has, he's kind of a loner and not because he's antisocial, but because he doesn't really hang out with anyone who's his age. So when you're reading the novel and in the part one part of the film, he's more like um, 15 years old. He hasn't really grown into his body yet. He is very precocious. He gets along very well with the adults who are hired or they must look after him, protect him. He's advanced for his age. Like he's understanding the Ben Gesserit uh, ways, which have typically only been for reserved for women, but he's like one of the only men who's allowed to or has been trained under their uh methods so when i think of someone i think of someone who has this like fiery precocious energy who can eventually lead an entire planet of people so in a lot of ways he's kind of a stereotypical like male character but i think that's okay for this novel and for this book i mean novel and movie because it is a classical 
it's like a it's based off of like old classics so timothy like from just looking at his resume has all of those qualities but i think the biggest one that was missing for me as well was paul atreides has incredible physicality he's like an amazing fighter and like the end of the film he has this like fight which in my opinion i'm like there's no way that that paul atreides could could destroy that freeman i know it's just like no yeah absolutely not absolutely i agree (laughs) (laughs) so i want to find someone where i'm like oh shit like yes that it is possible that this david could beat this goliath but you know not timothy so my suggestion was an actor called paul mescal okay so paul mescal I think that's how you say his last name. He's a rising star. So he start. I first saw him in a miniseries called Normal People, which was based off of the Sally Rooney novel. And I'll be honest, like everyone was really excited about the miniseries and I didn't like the miniseries, but I thought he was incredible. I thought he burned up the screen. He was so like innocent but complicated and um he played the range of age quite well so he starts in high school and then it goes till end of undergrad so he has amazing range he has very good chemistry with his romantic leads so he also has that going for him which timothy does too but it's a just it's a different quality it's just more intense he's also in the lost daughter is that right the lost daughter by maggie gyllenhaal Yeah. yeah so he plays the young hotel guy who Olivia Coleman's character like goes for dinner with and then he's having the affair with Dakota Johnson's character. Okay. So I loved him in that because he's so good against Olivia Coleman. And he I haven't seen this film called After Sun, but it's supposed to be excellent. I think Sif showed it. Yeah. The trailers I've seen, he just burns up the screen. Wow, yeah. And he has this physicality to him. So I was like, all right, like let's choose someone whose star is rising. He's masculine, he's a lover, he's also precocious and very thoughtful. Because in After Sun, he plays a young father. Mm. And he's more physical. Like, I think he has the... I could believe him as, like, a fighter. Okay. Not not a fighter of the heart, like a fighter with his fists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wow, that's incredible. I love the amount of thought put into that. I unfortunately haven't seen any of those things, but I will. (laughs) I think that uh, Normal People is on CBC Gem. Oh, good. Okay. I feel like now my choice is not very good (laughs) because, like, not knowing enough of, like, what Paul is supposed to be. I feel like I picked somebody who's similar to Timothy Chalamet, but just a little more... Um, I don't know if vibrant is the word, but yeah, like somebody who's just a little more like energetic, I'm going to use that Mm -hmm. word. So I ended up going with Finn Wolfhard. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. From Stranger Things. um, What else? From Ghostbusters Afterlife. I think he is, I think he's been such a good actor, like since he was very young Mm -hmm. Um, and he's still quite young, of course. So age wise, I feel like he fits for the most part, although it's true. Like Paul is supposed to be 15 when these occurrences are taking place. Mm-hmm. And Timothy Chalamet was 25. Finn Wolfhard is probably the same or right around the same age. Like, it's, I think it's really hard to find someone that young who could handle it. Yeah, I think that, you know, again, not knowing that it was actually Doom Part 1 and Doom Part 2, there totally could have been two actors to play Paul Atreides. Oh. So Finn could have been young Paul, and then it, we would believe him when he says things like, 
I hate, my least favorite line in the film is when he's like, I'm such a freak mom. Like, why did he make me a freak? And I'm just like, oh my God. Like, Paul doesn't, Paul's not a petulant teenager. Paul is like, he's noble and wants to help the world, okay. right? But I think that if we were to split it, rather than splitting the difference with an age like 25, Timothy's, Timothy's age, Finn would be a really interesting person for like young Paul. Yeah. Cause he's been working for so long. He, like, I don't know. He just has good gravitas. He does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, that's my choice. So then the next character that we recast was Chani. Yes. Okay. So Chani, uh, in part one, she has a really minor role, but I know, which I think, um, some of Zendaya's fans were like super mad about because she's a prominent part of the advertising. And I didn't even talk about Chani in the synopsis because she's such a minor part, but like she is a significant part of the novel and story more in that part two side. But here are some things that you need to know about Chani. Right away, her and Paul have like very, very intense attraction to each other. And I think I can go there. Like they have a very strong, like uh, psychological, psychic and sexual tension. Chani is a Fremen. So she's indigenous to the planet. Uh, she has the blue eyes because she's basically, if you live on the planet, you ingest so much secondhand (laughs) melange that you become addicted to it and when i think of her i think of someone who has like feral energy like she's um a bit of a loose cannon she can take care of herself when i say loose cannon i don't mean that she's um impulsive it's just uh she can kill you okay she's she's petite and small but like she can take care of herself she's gritty and yeah she could kill you if you insulted her okay so Zendaya, I just, I just didn't feel like she had that intensity in her. Yeah. No, there was no intensity to that character. It's kind of like, I found it hard. I'm like, really? Like you can, I don't know. She just doesn't feel um, tough. Yeah, that's true. And it's not, it's not, a, it's not um, me criticizing her as an actor. Cause I actually really enjoy her on like Euphoria and, I wasn't crazy about the one that she did with Sam, the other film with Sam Levinson. I can't, it's on Netflix though, but you know, she's, she's a, she's an amazing actor, gorgeous, but I didn't feel any grit Mm -hmm. or like her existence is life or death. And when she sees Paul, she's like, you're the one Mm. and I'm going to, and like, I have this connection with you and I actually can see with the spice that you and I are going to be together in a very significant way which the fate of the planet and maybe the, the universe depends upon. Okay. So there's this like, you know, it's, it's kind of juicy. Yeah, of course. And like, that's so, like, that's so big. That's so important. The fate of the universe is depending on it. And I didn't feel like that. I felt no stakes throughout any of this movie. Even when Paul is fighting the Freeman, and like you said, like you, in reality, there's no way that that actor could beat that other actor. Mm-hmm. But you go into it going, okay, he's going to win. Like, you just know. Like, I, I don't know. I felt like even when they were kidnapped and on the plane, I was like, okay, they're yeah. going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Like, at no point did I feel like they were actually in any danger. Yeah. And that's a problem. And yeah. I think with epics, we can, you know, you see the you see the main characters and you're like, yes, I'm going to see them through. So, like, when you see Aragorn and Lord of the Rings, you're like... Dude's probably going to become the king. But I want to see the journey, yeah. right? I agree with you. Like, I didn't feel really... My heart was never racing mm-hmm. along with the characters. Yeah. So, 
I think, you know, if Zendaya and Timothy had amazing on-screen chemistry, where if I saw them and I was like, it's burning up, mm-hmm. I would forgive a lot of stuff, but they right. didn't have that either. So the person who I chose is a Korean actor who is on Squid Game, oh. and she is Ho Yun Jung. Okay. I thought she was incredible in Squid Game, and that's like one of the most watched shows on Netflix of all time, so mm-hmm. I feel like... When it comes to international appeal, she has it. And I think she's one of the first Korean actresses to actually appear on Vogue, like American Vogue. Oh, wow. Ho Jung. She was in it last winter. So her star is totally rising. She's represented by um, an American agency now. I know she's going to be in some international film. She has all these Instagram followers. So what I like about her, though, in Squid Game is she plays that character. She plays like... Um, this gritty, street smart woman who is ready to play the squid game to like t- bring her brother over from North Korea or like to save her brother who's a North Korean uh, refugee like she is. So yeah. I... Um, but you know, she knows she's fighting to the death and yes. she's ready for it. Yeah, she's ready for it. And she literally fights to the death. Yeah. And she's... Yeah, she, you believe her when she's like, I could cut your throat. Yes. Absolutely. And she's beautiful. So <laughs> I feel like she has all the star making power yeah. to really bring something like edgy to the role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. What a good pick. I love that. Well, so yeah, as I don't know really much about Doom Part 2, mm-hmm. uh, I only kind of had to go with what I saw on screen, um, which was very little. And that's not meaning anything towards Zendaya. It's like she's barely in it. Yeah. <laughs> Ten minutes, maybe. Yeah, certainly anything. But yeah, so I um, I did struggle actually choosing someone. It took me a little while, but I ended up landing on Kiersey Clemens. Okay, I don't know them. Oh, okay. So she was in a movie called Hearts Beat Loud. Oh yeah, I know. I'm familiar. So, yeah, mm-hmm. she's the star. Of okay, that. okay. Um, I really like her in that. She was also in a movie called Dope. Yeah. Um, and then in, recently, she was in a movie called Am I Okay, which played at this year's Sundance. Okay. Um, yeah, or last year's Sundance, sorry. Yeah, I think she's great. Um, I think that she hasn't done a ton of stuff, but the things she's done, like, you know, she's in the lead. So I also see her as someone who will come into her own very soon. She also, when I was looking through her IMDb filmography, she's mm. listed as Z. The character name is Z in the film Z, which is a Zorro remake. So it was listed as like a 2021 movie starring Gael Garcia Bernal as Zorro. And I'm like, did I just miss this? (laughs) So I'm like looking for information. I don't know. It seems to have just kind of gotten stuck in pre-production, but I would love to see that. I I hope that comes to fruition. (laughs) Yeah. And embarrassingly, I've never seen the original or the Zorro with Antonio Banderas. So neither. Okay, so I'm ready for the new one, too. Yeah. And I just looked her up on Letterboxd. That's what I was doing while you were talking about her, and she looks great. Like, yeah. And I would like to see more of her as well. Yeah. She kind of seems like she's just under breaking into the more yes. mainstream. I think so, too. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I think that she would be a lot of fun. And she also, like, oh, in Hearts Beat Loud, like, she is so incredible. And, I mean, it's, like, one of her earlier roles, and she just kills it from the start and you just buy into her like into her character and you want to be around her Mm. and I feel like even though I do think Zendaya is really good and has done a lot and you know she's really talented in this film I don't look at her and be like oh I want to be around her I don't know it's just very dull yeah maybe it's also a bit of a thankless rule in part one fair and 
I just don't, yeah, maybe it would be enough to be like, have this, this other actor who like you want to be around. And so then you, there's a bit of mystery there. Whereas I didn't really feel much of that. Yeah. With Zendaya, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, on to our last role. This yes. This is exciting. Yes. Okay. So Baron Harkonnen is currently played by Stellan Sarsgaard. And I told you, I like, I love Stellan Sarsgaard. He's like my number one. And at first when he was cast in it, I was very excited. And I think he does a serviceable job. So some of this might be direction and not just about Stellan Sarsgaard. But when I read Baron Harkonnen, he's described as like this disgusting person. Like he's so, so, so large that he actually has like drones, which are always above him that have ropes attached to his fat to so that he feels like a 50 pound man but he's actually like a 1000 pound man okay that's the sort of that's how he's described and he loves like rich and expensive things so he loves like obviously rich food but he also loves like it's implied that he like enjoys the sexual company of like young boys and like he's kind of seedy but he like is very a rich character who like enjoys things in life okay so it's weird that I'm even saying this too. He kind of has a bit of sex appeal, I guess, because he's okay. like a charming person to be around, even though uh-huh. he's like truly a, a despicable, terrible person. Okay. So I just felt like Stellan Sarsgaard played it again, very like literally. Like he's just like, I'm a bad guy. Yeah, absolutely. Like, just cool. a straight villain from every childhood book where that has a villain yeah i'm like oh okay so there's like no twirling of the mustache which maybe it it doesn't really suit the film but there's just no depth to like why are you motivated to do this besides being like a psychopath yeah yeah absolutely so yeah so my choice to replace him is uh gerard depardieu oh because he's literally like a he is kind of like Baron Harkonnen. Oh, no. Harkonnen. He's like, loves his wine. He loves his women. He's like rough around the edges for yeah. sure. And doesn't give a fuck. Right. You can bleep that out if you have to, I guess. No, okay. uh, <laughs> but he's also like an exceptional actor. All of his negative qualities aside. And I just rewatched him in um, a film called Let the Sunshine In opposite Juliette Binoche. I mean, yes. he has a very small role, but he's so soft and tender in it. And I've seen him in other roles where he's like scary and rough and kind of psycho. So maybe we should take the Russell Crowe of France and put him as Baron Harkonnen because I think he would have more fun with the role. Like Stellan yeah. Sarsgaard just kind of flat for me. Mm-hmm. And I also have to say it. Um, I was telling my husband that I was like, yeah, I think that Gerard Depardieu should do it. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, well, you should have, um, you should talk about the French casting of Dune, which would have Gerard Depardieu, his son, Guillaume Depardieu, who's unfortunately just passed, oh. but he, he could be Paul Atreides. And then you could have Sandrine Bonner be Chani. And, um, then we can have someone like Catherine Deneuve or like Isabelle Huppert to be the witch or Ben Jesuit, like mother superior. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. I love it. Okay. And Denis Villeneuve is French, well, French Canadian. Yeah. It would totally, it would add a different flavor. Like, we need a little of, like, I don't know, like, French, like, sadism in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. I love that. I have to say, never in a million, if you gave me a hundred tries to recast this role, Gerard Depardieu would not enter my thoughts, but I love it. (laughs) I'm so happy. (laughs) Yeah, 
that's so great. That's really an interesting take on it for sure. I also love Stellan Skarsgård. I'm wearing Stellan Skarsgård shirt. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> I think he's wonderful in pretty much everything he's done. But yeah, this one, I like the word you used. It was very flat. And I feel like one of the things that this Dune is missing compared to like, for example, David Lynch's Dune, that's fine that this isn't a campy film, but we could have just a little camp, no? Like just a little more fun in certain spots. It's just very flat all the way across from the beginning to the end. And so I wanted to pick somebody who, you know, is a good villain, but also is charming, can be fun and, and like... When I've seen him be a villain, he can really, like, have fun with it. And that is Christoph Waltz. Mm, totally. Yeah. So um, I was thinking of the movie Big Eyes, for example, where he is playing a very bad person. But you also, at least early on in the film, you understand why Amy Adams is with him. And I don't know, there's something intriguing about him that even though he's Mostly, like, I also saw him as a bad guy in Spectre or in Glorious Bastards. Mm -hmm. He's, I think he's also in Django Unchained. He is. Yeah. So, you know, he's bad a lot on screen, but still intriguing in a way that, like, you want to watch more. You want to know more about him. Yeah. He's very charismatic, which I think that the Baron should be. And, yeah, it was missing. Yeah. And um under all of the prosthetics and the costume and also the the seriousness of the tone of Dune Part 1, mm -hmm. maybe we needed someone with a bit more inherent vibrancy like Christoph Waltz to come through. Yeah. Just to, like, show us, I don't know, some a little sparkle, an evil sparkle. Yeah. I, I did want to kind of quickly get into the character design of mm -hmm. Baron Harkonnen. So Donald Mowat was the makeup designer. He described this character as Marlon Brando and Island of Dr. Moreau. Okay. Which is kind of perfect. Like that is what you end up seeing on screen, mm -hmm. I think. It's all practical makeup and prosthetics. Um, it took them 16 weeks to create the suit. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then five people applied the suit to Stellan Skarsgård for four to six hours. Okay. So like... <laughs> Coming back to my choice, I don't know if Gerard would be down to do that. He'd probably be like, I don't know, hungover after drinking like 20 bottles of wine. Like, this is like all in his Wikipedia. So, you know, Stellan is probably more open yeah. to being put into a suit for six to eight hours. Holy cow. Apparently he was excited about it. That's yeah. What I read. That's crazy. Yes. But also, like, I, I can't help but wonder if that's going to hinder anybody's performance. Because you're just, like, under all these layers and, like, it's stif literally stifling. I think it must. Mm -hmm. I don't know from personal experience, but I'm sure that has something to do with it. Like, your uh, physicality is uh, hindered. Yeah, for sure. And the part in the, like, oily black mud bath, mm. they <laughs> when they put him in that, that oil was releasing the prosthetics and the buoyancy was causing problems. So they ended up using a stunt double only in that scene because mm -hmm. they were worried for his safety, which always, I love that that's the way that it's written. That It's like, who cares about the safety of stunt people? Like, it's always, we put them in there only because we're worried for their safety. So we threw in someone else who were not worried about their safety. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it has something to do with insurance and stuff well, too. And sure, yeah. I actually like that scene though. I thought that that came out really well. I think that was a highlight for me. Okay. I thought it was very... Um, 
almost like experimental, you know? Yeah. Oh, it definitely looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think all three of those casting choices, I think it would improve the film. Well, thank you. Likewise, I think we would definitely have something interesting. Like, mm-hmm. I think it would just, it would be less mm, midstream. Yeah. And we would, we'd have a little bit more variety. Right. In our choices. Yeah. 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 I hadn't really thought about like why they chose who they chose, but it does really make sense that these feel like safe choices. Yeah, I think they're also looking for that international appeal. So like Zendaya, Timothy, Chalamet, Stellan Skarsgård. I've been calling him Stellan Skarsgård this entire oh. podcast, <laughs> but yeah. They're all like internationally known. Yeah. They have a big following. They're recognizable. Mm-hmm. But that's why I was, when I was, we first talked about doing this podcast, I was just thinking about like, who could I choose who might be more international, who aren't just like American? I mean, Stellan Skarsgård is Swedish, yeah. but... That's why I was trying to think about, like, Ho Yun Jung, for example. Right. I'm like, okay, no, she's a major international star, but she doesn't speak... No, she speaks English. Okay. So. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I love that you also considered the business sense of it. Yeah, it's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) It's show business. (laughs) Absolutely. I did notice that David Lynch said he has zero interest in watching this movie, Mm. Um, but (laughs) it's because he, it like evokes such painful memories of making his version of Dune, which, ugh, poor guy. Like that's rough. Like you won't even watch another version because it just reminds you of your own filmmaking process. Well, isn't that what Jodorowsky said about the David Lynch version where he was like, I don't want to see it. And then he watched it and he was like, wow, if such, if like a master of cin- of cinema, like David Lynch also cannot make this, <laughs> then maybe I got off easy. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say like for anybody listening, if you have not seen Jodorowsky's Dune, the documentary, go watch it. It's so fascinating. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And just like, he's really funny and entertaining. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. It's insane that his son was going to be uh, Paul Atreides, hey? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and also the designs for a lot of the characters, like, wasn't it Giger? Or am I... Oh, I don't know. Because I feel like then a lot of the designs went into Alien. Yes. I might be wrong about that. It's been no, a I th- No, I think you're right. Like, I think that's why it was painful is that a lot of the work went into other people's projects. Oh. And then I think they were credited for it. And he's right. like, no. Oh, it was mine. It was mine. <laughs> that's pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah, so while looking into like details about the making of this movie, a lot came up about Hans Zimmer, who does the music. And the music is fantastic. I mean, Hans Zimmer is a master <laughs> at his craft. So both him and Denis Villeneuve turned down big projects so that they could work on Dune because they were both really into it and really excited and wanted to be part of it. So Hans Zimmer turned down Tenet mm-hmm. and Denis Villeneuve turned down No Time to Die. Wow. Yeah. Well... I would also, I mean, I like No Time to Die, but I think Dune is the more interesting project. For sure. Yeah, I think he made the right choice, definitely. Um, And then Hans Zimmer spent a week alone in the deserts of Utah to assimilate some of the sounds of the landscape into his thinking Hmm. for the score. Cool. Yeah. And I, like, after reading that, that makes sense based on the sounds that we hear during this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the technical, the craft elements of this film are just bar none yeah they're incredible yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. some new musical instruments were created for this soundtrack oh i didn't know that like what oh i probably should have looked into more all i read was some new musical instruments but i'll look into it because yeah like that's that's so neat you wouldn't even think that 
don't know, doesn't it sometimes feel like there's no new, there's no new chords to find, there's no new notes to find. Mm-hmm. Like, it's interesting that there's new musical instruments that could be created. Yeah. Do you know Aphex Twin? Yeah. Okay, so I remember I read an interview with him, like, one of the few that are, like, on the internet, and he talks about his entire career is just trying to find new sounds. Oh, nice. Like, that's, that's what he's really interested in. Like, the music is just a way to express these new sounds, okay. and he's like, I just want to know what aliens listen to, but I think... I'm just bringing that up because I think you're right. Like there's just, it feels like there's nothing new. So it is nice to know new things were made for this. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's pretty much it. Um, I did also want to mention that Sting was considered for a cameo in this film because he started as Fade Rautha. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm saying that right. In David Lynch's Dune. Yeah. He's the nephew of the Harkonnen who he believes is like the chosen one. Right. Oh, he's great in it. I, I think he's super fun in Dune. That would have been really interesting. I wonder where they could have put him in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe in um Josh Brolin's role. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. 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 Maybe. Nice. Oh, actually, I after watching it again, I should have messaged you because I was thinking, oh, I wish we could also recast Jason Momoa. Who, like, God love him, he just felt like he was in a different movie. Well, I think, I actually, like, thought he had a lot of good charisma. But maybe that's why he stood out so much, because it's like... (laughs) Maybe that's it. Yeah. But also, for me, it was, like, the way he spoke felt like he was Jason Momoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it kind of had, like, dude talk going on the entire time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That felt too out of place for me, but... (laughs) Okay, so uh, that's it in terms of like, you know, film trivia and whatnot. The ratings for this movie on IMDb, it has a 74% from 67 critics. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it has an 83% from 496 reviewers. And in fact, on Rotten Tomatoes, the audience score is 90%. Okay. Yeah. So this is really a well-liked movie. Yeah. So we're a little bit on the other side. I know, yeah. But I, like, it's an enjoyable film. Yeah. If not the most enjoyable film. Yeah, yeah. There are definitely parts of it that, like, I think are fantastic. And then parts that I think are not. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. It was just... Everything about it was very literal. Yeah. Yeah, very straight down the middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, well, now it's time for... Hold me close, young Tony Danza. Time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza, the segment where we cast Tony Danza into one of the roles in this movie. So, Jillian, I know you don't know Tony Danza that well, but I think you probably have a a good spot to put him. Yep. So I think we should put Tony Danza in the role of the Duke Atreides, so Paul's father, because, you know, he's a patriarch and he's actually like a really good man he's not like a dad who you're like oh you suck like he's um regal he is making a choice that he thinks is best for his family he might be a little bit i don't want to say outdated but like people are like oh he's doing the noble thing maybe not the cunning thing Uh, and but there's a kind of like you know nobility and nobleness i think you know he could pull that off and you really want to feel sad when he dies. Okay. You're just like, no, like I could kind of see that coming, but 
that really sucks. And Paul, like the loss of his father is like devastating for him. Right. I think we can all feel that for Tony. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I think Tony Danza plays guileless very well. Yeah. And so, yeah, if this is a Duke who's like just trying to do the right thing versus the smart thing, quote unquote, then yeah, I think that's a great choice. Yeah. Also, he's the right age. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oscar Isaac is probably too young, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, for me, uh, I feel like I've alluded to where I would want to put him because I want to get rid of Jason Momoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I cast him as Duncan Idaho. (laughs) Um, And also, uh, it's not just to get rid of Jason Momoa. It's also because that character is like, he's fun and he's sweet and he cares about Paul and he really wants to like help him and do what's best for him. And, you know, I could totally see Tony Danza fitting into that role perfectly. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Duncan Idaho, he's such a great character. Like, you, yeah. he's your buddy. Yeah, for sure. And to- I want Tony Danza to be my buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think that wraps it up for Dune, part one. Um, thank you, Jillian, for, for choosing this movie and for coming on the podcast. Uh, this is a pleasure. Thank you. Have me on again. Yeah, of course. So where can people find you if they want to follow you on social media or see some of Sure. Uh, you can check out my production company, Kinosum Productions, online at www.kinosum.com. And you can find my email and stuff on there. I'm not really on Instagram. Everything that I do is really funneled through Kinosum. So yeah. Perfect. Next month uh, will be a surprise. I do not have the movie picked yet um, or the guest host, but... When I do, I will come back and record a little outro. And uh, you can follow Repodcasting on social media at Repodcasting. And you can also email any suggestions, any, you know, casting suggestions, movie suggestions, complaints about who we've picked um, at Repodcasting at gmail.com. So thanks again, Jillian. Yeah, thank you. Okay, bye. Hey everybody, Lucia here. We now have next month's movie picked and it's going to be a special one uh, because we recorded it live at the Calgary Expo. So the movie we're recasting is Mars Attacks from 1996, starring tons and tons of people of big, big stars. And uh, my guest co-host will be Adam Karestes. So watch the movie, recast along with us, and we'll see you next month.